This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Because it was so common in those days, the Hebrews were fond at referring to one's eternal life as a walk. They were fond of that. Enoch walked with God. Genesis chapter 5 verse 24. It says, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, meaning he skipped death, but God took him. And that's a picture of a rapture right there in the Old Testament. God is consistent. You walk with me like Enoch walked with him for 300 years. Thinking of your relationship with Jesus as a walk is a great picture for us to hold on to. How we walk, where we walk, what we do along the walk, and who we walk with are all factors in where we'll end up. Pastor Eddie will be diving into 1 Thessalonians 4 today and will challenge us to walk alongside God and to live a life focused on pleasing Him. Who knows what unexpected adventures will happen along the way? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he begins his message... A life-pleasing God. Let us open our Bible, First Thessalonians chapter four. We're going to read from verses one through eight. Paul writes, "Finally, brethren." We urge and exalt in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust. Like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarn you and testify. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit." We studied and we concluded chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. And if you were with us in the beginning when we first began our study of 1 Thessalonians, we do an introduction, but we do have an outline. And in that outline, we saw that there is the first section, it's chapter 1, 2, and 3, the first section of 1 Thessalonians. And Paul wrote about the Thessalonians and how, how you know, his personal relationship with them and how the church grew. Chapter 1, we saw how the church was born. Ch- um, chapter 1, I'm sorry, we saw how the church was born. Chapter 2, how the church was nurtured. Chapter 3, how the church was established. And in all those three chapters, we saw in the midst of that, that they were suffering much persecution, which we all will suffer persecution. We now come to the second section of Thessalonians, which is the practical and the the application. That's in chapter 4 and 5. 
Paul gives us the practical instructions in how we should walk in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. Remember, the Thessalonians were concerned because many have died. They heard about Christ was coming. And just like throughout the year of Christian history, many people had thought that Christ was coming. They gave dates and they gave the time and, and when Jesus would come. And many of them left their jobs, sold their property. Some of them even wore special garments and waited on top of a hill or mountain. The Bible says no one knows the day or the hour when Christ is going to come. But I know when Jesus is coming. Some of you are scared now, right? He is coming exactly when we don't expect it. <laughs> That's when he's coming, right? You thought I was going to give some kind of false prophecy. Well, if I did, then you could find another church because no one knows the day or the hour, okay? But he's telling you, since we don't know when he's coming, we always, always should be ready. How we walk, how we live our lives as Christians, how we honor God, please God, and that's important. And so the second uh, section of this book, it, as with most of Paul's epistles, he always gives you some doctrine, then he gives you application. He gives you a history, he gives you an opening, then he gives you the application. And that's what we're going to learn in these next two chapters. And so in chapter 4 and 5, chapter 4, Paul will share with us how we are to walk in holiness, in harmony, and honesty. And then in chapter 5, he's going to, share with us how we should walk in hope. And that's the theme of this letter, the hope, in the hope that Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Oh, yeah. And so we begin the second section with chapter 4. As Paul writes, in anticipating of the coming of the Lord, we should walk in holiness, we should walk in harmony, we should walk in honesty. And these are the things that honor and please God. It honors and please God. And so... Our deepest desire, our deepest desire, your desire as a believer in Christ. We're not talking about Christians by name. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christian. We're not talking about those who are Christian by name. They're Christian because they were born in a, in a church or going to church or because their parents were Christians, their great-great-grandparents are Christians. No, we're talking about Christians who follow Jesus. Not by name, but by doing. And so when we do that... Our deepest desire, your deepest desire, is to please and honor God. Everything you do, from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you lay your head, your job and in your heart, your deepest desire is to honor and please God in everything you do at work, with your family, with your neighbors, outside in public. You need to, we need to honor and please God. You know, when we came to Christ, we enter into a relationship with Jesus, Again, that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is man-made. Religion is, even under Christianity, people have religion. They go to church, and thinking they go to church, they, 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 they make peace with God, they score points with God, and they could sin from Monday to Saturday. But a relationship with God, we talk with God daily. We read the scriptures daily. We grow daily. We, we gather with each other. We encourage each other. And in that relationship, we are to please God. It's important to please God, as with any relationship. Look at the relationship between a marriage, between a husband and wife. In order to keep that relationship going, to keep it healthy, to keep it strong, they would have to work and seek out those things that pleases the relationship, that pleases each other. And we do that. We never get it right, but we do it as much as we can, right? But we, that's the goal. I think if we focus on pleasing one another, then the relationship would be healthy, strong. True Christianity is having a real relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Again, it's not religion. We worship the one true living God. We surrender our lives 
at, through the cross, we enter into this relationship with Christ. And in this beautiful relationship, it should be our main goal to please God and please him only. But before, before we, we know how to please God, we, we look at the examples of Jesus. And I think that's the reason why God had allowed for us, when we look at the New Testament, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four Gospels record the life of Jesus. You want to know how to live? Look at Jesus. You got four Gospels to read through. Some of those things are the same, but some of them give you a different view. You have a view from a doctor, Lucas. You have a view from a Jew, Matthew, a, t- a former tax collector who's considered a heathen. So you look at the gospel, all the same story from different angles. And that's the reason we must look to Jesus. And looking at a relationship with God, Jesus set the example of his relationship with the Father. Before Jesus began his earthly ministry, before his, his ministry, he, he knew he had to get baptized. He got baptized. Not that he needed to get baptized. He wasn't burying the old man, but he set the example. He went to the Jordan, and there, John the Baptist uh, baptized Jesus. And as soon as Jesus arose up from the water during baptism, there was a voice that came from the sky. And Matthew records that for us in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. He said, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is before Jesus' ministry, before Jesus even spoke a parable, before he even performed a miracle. He did this in order to please God, his father. It's amazing to hear that voice, and hopefully soon and very soon, each and every one of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, when we stand before and we say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I was pleased with you. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 29, and he, speaking of the Father who sent me, is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always, I always do those things that please him. That's the life of a believer. You examine your life. Does my life please God in everything I do, in every thought, every word I say, and everything I do? Does it please God? Do I begin my day honoring God? Do I end my day thanking God, pleasing him with thanks? A true believer in Christ, we are called a life to please God. And is with, with that, the apostle is going to give us now, as he's going to write to the Thessalonians, he's going to give us some examples. And this application is applicational for us. When we read the scriptures, yeah, we, we, we knew that the, the letter was addressed to the Thessalonians, but it's addressed to us because the word of God is for every man. And so we're going to look at this and examine our lives as well. So we have read our text. Let's now study our text verse by verse. Let's look at verse 1. Verse Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort. Finally, the word finally here doesn't mean that Paul is going to close his letter, but he's making a transition. Again, that's what he does with his letters. You start reading his letters, it's all doc- in, you know, introduction, greetings, doctrine, and now application. So he's making a transition here to the application, to the practical. He said, Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians uh, to abound more and more, even though the Thessalonians were strong in their faith as they suffered much persecution, Paul wrote in chapter 1, verse 6. Even though the Thessalonians set a good example to the Macedonians and Achaia, Paul wrote in chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And even though Paul received good news from Timothy, 
of their faith and love for one another. Paul wrote in chapter 3, verse 6. His heart for the Thessalonians is for them to continue to grow. Paul said, have I obtained it? Have I reached to this point? And sometimes people think that there is a certain level of Christianity. There's a certain level of spirituality. There's a certain peak that we need to reach. And sometimes we examine our lives with others. Oh, I would like to be like Pastor So-and-so. Oh, I would like to be like Billy Graham or, or all these other preachers. There is no level. You need to be responsible. You need to be, you're, you have, you're responsible for your own salvation. Your relationship is different of everyone else. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ personally. And personally, you need to make that go to continue on and grow. If you feel you know enough, then you need to humble yourself. If you feel you reached to a spiritual level, then you haven't. With that attitude, I know you didn't reach to a spiritual level. I've, I've met, had people that say, you know, one man was called me and says, no, I had to leave that church because, you know, he, I don't get used. You know, you know, some people just want to be in front of everybody, be teachers. And he said, I know more Bible than all those people in that church just by that. And I said, sorry, brother, just by what you told me, that's not humble. You're not having a humble heart. You can never, ever. Paul said, Paul the apostle, who, who was a scholar, who was a Pharisee, he said, I consider it as rubbish. And if you read the language and you look at the Greek word, it's not really rubbish, it's dung. That's what it is. He considers it as really manure. That's what he considers it. But we never reach that. But we need to abound more and more. It's a relationship. You never tell your spouse, for those of you who are married, you never say to your spouse, you know, I love you enough, this is where we ended. This is where we end. And, it's, and sadly, that's how it ends, it divorce. It, you know, you continue. And that's one of the things that encourage people who are in marriage. You know, you get married, you know, don't think you're going to understand your spouse to the fullest. You never will. You never will understand your spouse to the fullest. Only God knows your spouse. And because we created out of the image of God, do we understand God to the fullest? No. I say just enjoy it. Every year is a chapter in your relationship. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Next year is going to be different. You know, I get older. I feel bad for Judy. Pray for Judy. <laughs> We're in chapter 30, going to 34. But you never understand. So in the same way, in our relationship, we should never think that we have attained it. And so, but we need to more and more. And that's Paul's encouragement. I, I, that, you know, that you should abound more and more. I pray, I pray five times a day. Great. Make it six. I pray an hour. Great. Make it two hours. Abound more and more. I'm not talking about, you know, those. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about deepening your relationship with God. But then he goes on to say, say, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you, verse 2, for you know that commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. At this time, of course, the Bible was not, the New Testament was not canonized, but obviously Paul met with the, the apostles during his conversion. The Bible says he went three years in, in the desert all by himself. And he, what he did basically is, you know, he studied the Old Testament from Genesis to the very end. He had to go now after every book and every chapter and find Jesus, now that he has Jesus. He had to relearn everything. And he gave them the commandments of which he heard Jesus spoke. Most likely he was listening to Jesus on the side but he says, how you ought to walk and to please God. 
The only way we can abound more and more if, if our main desire is to walk holy, how to walk and how to please God. Now the word walk here in the Greek is peripateo. It is mentioned 96 times in the New Testament and it means to walk, to go, to live, behave in a specific manner. And you know, out of the 96 times that is mentioned in New Testament, almost half, 47 of those times, the word walk was spoken by Paul the Apostle. Walk was a very common word in his day and is a very important word to walk. Paul loves to use the word walk because in this world we must walk, live a life that reflects Christ so that the world will know that you belong to Jesus and how you walk in your life. We're not talking about, you ever see some of the shows in comedy? Uh, I don't want to bring any shows, but let's say you have a butler open the door and he says, good evening. And he says, yes, walk this way. And he's walking like this. And the guy just walks and he starts walking like the butler. Walk this way. <laughs> it's not in that way. But we need to walk. We walk in a way, it's, it's how your life is. How you walk shows who you are and shows who you believe and what you believe. It's a story about a father and a son who arrived in a small western town. They were looking for an uncle whom they'd never seen. They'd never seen this uncle, but they went to this small town to find this uncle. Suddenly, the father pointing across the square, he pointed at a man that was walking away from them. He had his back you know, turned toward them and walking away from them. And the father said to his son, there goes my uncle. And the son said, but how do you know him? You've never seen him before. He says, son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. Just by his character, the way he was I don't know how he was walking, probably bow-legged or whatever, but he was walking. Hey, that's how my father walks. That has to be him. It's a small town. Unlike today, we use, you know, in order for transportation, when it comes to walk, we think, okay, I'm just going to walk to the store, walk to my living room. You know, walking, it, it, in those days, you know, it was different. Today, we have automobiles, plane trains, and we have all kinds of transportation. We take, you know, we have the bikes, and we could actually go for hundreds of miles in a matter of hours. And so there is walking involved, but not, no one's going to walk hundreds of miles. Only a few. According to Mayo, uh, the Mayo Clinic, the average American walks 3,000 to 4,000 steps a day. That's nearly one and a half to two miles. I'm not one of those, trust me. Some of you got your awake. Some of you are thinking about the food late. Not just kidding. For most of us, walk is an exercise. We do it for pleasure. We like to just walk. But because it was so common in those days, the Hebrews were fond at referring to one's eternal life as a walk. They were fond of that. Enoch walked with God. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. It says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, meaning he skipped death, for God took him. And that's a picture of a rapture right there in the Old Testament. God is consistent. You walk with me, like Enoch walked with him for 300 years. And I heard some commentators say that, oh, he walked with the Lord so much, so far, he kept walking for 300 years with the Lord. The Lord said, you know what, Enoch, um, you walked with me 300 years. To go back, it's going to be, why don't you just come with me? And that's what happens when you walk with God. There's going to be a time when it's going to be rapture. So 
There's two people who skipped death, Enoch and Elijah, for, you, for those of you who want to study that. But then Noah. Noah was a man who walked with God. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. The Lord commanded the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33, he says, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you may be, it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Now, I gave you the word walk in the Greek. I like to give it to you, the word walk in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, there's more life to it. The word walk in Hebrew is halak, and is mentioned 299 times in the Old Testament, and the Jews call it a Tanakh. And it means to walk, to move, to behave, to live, manner of life, to go away, to vanish. Because you can walk away, that's a part of vanishing. And, and that word was not only, when I looked at the Hebrew word when it came to Enoch, I was, okay, vanish, yeah, he just, God took him. But then that word continued, that meaning continued on throughout the Old Testament, 299 times. Because we can walk away, we can't walk away from God. How many times say, oh, he walked away from the Lord. How you walk would determine how, where you would go, how you would vanish, just like Enoch. We walk with God. I want to be like Enoch. Walk till that time comes with the rapture. Gone. Can't wait for that time to happen. We are to walk to please God. When we began our life as Christians, for those of us who accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior unto salvation, salvation is repentance, knowing you're a sinner, knowing you sin against God, you confess your sins to the Lord and you accept the Lord. Repentance means turn around. When that happened, when you gave your life to the Lord, it was a step of faith. It was by faith, not by works. We say by faith, right? Not by works, lest any man should boast. But from that step, after that step of faith, when you gave your life to the Lord, from there on, it's not long, no longer a step. From there on, it's a walk. That's why you see the word walk all the time in the New Testament. And those that he's talking about to walk is always referring to Christians, not to non-believers. Christians. Because you took that step of faith, you accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, you're born again, now it's a walk. And that's why the word is constantly used as walk, walk. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Second thing we need to do is to please God. To please God, the ultimate purpose of living as a Christian is to follow Christ. It's not to please oneself. It's not to please man. If we do something for man out of service, out of, out of love, out of kindness, when we serve one another, what we do? We serve the Lord. But it is to please God. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh, those who are not saved, cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in us. It came into our heart. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if God's Spirit dwells in you, then you need to obey the Spirit. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and applicable things in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Toward the end of this book, there are some verses that might be viewed as a test or a challenge depending on what you're going through. The author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, 
says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything to give thanks. Do you have much to be thankful and grateful for today? Be reminded that Jesus coming back someday is the greatest reason to rejoice. It's a hope that you can hold on to when the rest of the world is hopeless. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we look forward to the next edition of Running the Race.